Section 1 of The Spirit of Youth and the City Streets. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Spirit of Youth and the City Streets by Jane Addams. Recording by Mary Schneider. Chapter 1 Youth in the City nothing is more certain than that each generation longs for a reassurance as to the value and charm of life and is secretly afraid lest it lose its sense of the youth of the earth this is doubtless one reason why it so passionately cherishes its poets and artists who have been able to explore for themselves and to reveal to others the perpetual springs of life's self-renewal and yet the average man cannot obtain this desired reassurance through literature nor yet through glimpses of earth and sky it could come to him only through the chance embodiment of joy and youth which life itself may throw in his way it is doubtless true that for the mass of men the message is never so unchallenged and so invincible as when embodied in youth itself one generation after another has depended upon its young to equip it with gaiety and enthusiasm to persuade it that living is a pleasure until men everywhere have anxiously provided channels through which this wine of life might flow and be preserved for their delight the classical city promoted play with careful solicitude building the theatre and stadium as it built the market-place and the temple the greeks held their games so integral a part of religion and patriotism that they came to expect from their poets the highest utterances at the very moments when the sense of pleasure released the national life in the medieval city the knights held their tourneys the guilds their pageants the people their dances and the church made festival for its most cherished saints with gay street processions and presented a drama in which no less a theme than the history of creation became a matter of thrilling interest only in the modern city have men concluded that it is no longer necessary for the municipality to provide for the insatiable desire for play in so far as they have acted upon this conclusion they have entered upon a most difficult and dangerous experiment and this at the very moment when the city has become distinctly industrial and daily labor is continually more monotonous and subdivided we forget how new the modern city is and how short the span of time in which we have assumed that we can eliminate public provision for recreation a further difficulty lies in the fact that this industrialism has gathered together multitudes of eager young creatures from all quarters of the earth as a labor supply for the countless factories and workshops upon which the present industrial city is based never before in civilization have such numbers of young girls been suddenly released from the protection of the home and permitted to walk unattended upon city streets and to work under alien roofs for the first time they are being prized more for their labor power than for their innocence their tender beauty their ephemeral gaiety society cares more for the products they manufacture than for their immemorial ability to reaffirm the charm of existence never before have such numbers of young boys earned money independently of the family life and felt themselves free to spend it as they choose in the midst of vice deliberately disguised as pleasure 
this stupid experiment of organizing work and failing to organize play has of course brought about a fine revenge the love of pleasure will not be denied and when it has turned into all sorts of malignant and vicious appetites then we the middle-aged grow quite distracted and resort to all sorts of restrictive measures we even try to dam up the sweet fountain itself because we are affrighted by those neglected streams but almost worse than the restrictive measures is our apparent belief that the city itself has no obligation in the matter an assumption upon which the modern city turns over to commercialism practically all the provisions for public recreation quite as one set of men has organized the young people into industrial enterprises in order to profit from their toil so another set of men and also of women i am sorry to say have entered the neglected field of recreation and have organized enterprises which make profit out of this invincible love of pleasure in every city arise so-called places gin palaces they are called in fiction in chicago we euphemistically say merely places in which alcohol is dispensed not to allay thirst but ostensibly to stimulate gaiety it is sold really in order to empty pockets huge dance halls are open to which hundreds of young people are attracted many of whom stand wistfully outside a roped circle for it requires five cents to procure within it for five minutes the sense of allurement and intoxication which is sold in lieu of innocent pleasure these coarse and illicit merry-makings remind one of the unrestrained jollities of restoration london and they are indeed their direct descendants properly commercialized still confusing joy with lust and gaiety with debauchery since the soldiers of cromwell shut up the people's playhouses and destroyed their pleasure fields the anglo-saxon city has turned over the provision of public recreation to the most evil-minded and most unscrupulous members of the community we see thousands of girls walking up and down the streets on a pleasant evening with no chance to catch a sight of pleasure even through a lighted window save as these lurid places provide apparently the modern city sees in these girls only two possibilities both of them commercial first a chance to utilize by day their new and tender labor power in its factories and shops and then another chance in the evening to extract from them their petty wages by pandering to their love of pleasure as these overworked girls stream along the street the rest of us see only the self-conscious walk the giggling speech the preposterous clothing and yet through the huge hat with its wilderness of bedraggled feathers the girl announces to the world that she is here she demands attention to the fact of her existence she states that she is ready to live to take her place in the world the most precious moment in human development is the young creature's assertion that he is unlike any other human being and has an individual contribution to make to the world the variation from the established type is at the root of all change the only possible basis for progress, all that keeps life from growing unprofitably stale and repetitious. Is it only the artists who really see these young creatures as they are, the artists who are themselves endowed with immortal youth? Is it our disregard of the artist's message which makes us so blind and so stupid, or are we so under the influence of our zeitgeist that we can detect only commercial values in the young as well as in the old? 
it is as if our eyes were holden to the mystic beauty the redemptive joy the civic pride which these multitudes of young people might supply to our dingy towns the young creatures themselves piteously look all about them in order to find an adequate means of expression for their most precious message one day a serious young man came to hall house with his pretty young sister who he explained wanted to go somewhere every single evening quote, although she can only give the flimsy excuse that the flat was too little and too stuffy to stay in end quote in the difficult role of elder brother he had done his best stating that he had taken her quote, to all of the missions in the neighborhood that she had had a chance to listen to some awful good sermons and to some elegant hymns but that some way she did not seem to care for the society of the best christian people end quote. the little sister reddened painfully under this cruel indictment and could offer no word of excuse but a curious thing happened to me perhaps it was the phrase the best christian people perhaps it was the delicate color of her flushing cheeks and her swimming eyes but certain it is that instantly and vividly there appeared to my mind the delicately tinted piece of wall in a roman catacomb where the early christians through a dozen devices of spring flowers skipping lambs and a shepherd tenderly guiding the young had indelibly written down that the christian message is one of inexpressible joy who is responsible for forgetting this message delivered by the best christian people two thousand years ago who is to blame that the lambs the little ewe lambs have been so caught upon the brambles but quite as the modern city wastes this most valuable moment in the life of the girl and drives into all sorts of absurd and obscure expressions her love and yearning towards the world in which she forecasts her destiny so it often drives the boy into gambling and drinking in order to find his adventure of lincoln's enlistment of two and a half million soldiers a very large number were under twenty-one some of them under eighteen and still others were mere children under fifteen even in those stirring times when patriotism and high resolve were at the flood no one responded as did the boys and the great soul who yearned over them who refused to shoot the sentinels who slept the sleep of childhood knew as no one else knew the precious glowing stuff of which his army was made but what of the millions of boys who are now searching for adventurous action longing to fulfill the same high purpose one of the most pathetic sights in the public dance halls of chicago is the number of young men obviously honest young fellows from the country who stand about vainly hoping to make the acquaintance of some nice girl they look eagerly up and down the rows of girls many of whom are drawn to the hall by the same keen desire for pleasure and social intercourse which the lonely young men themselves feel one sunday night at twelve o'clock i had occasion to go into a large public dance hall as i was standing by the rail looking for the girl i had come to find a young man approached me and quite simply asked me to introduce him to some nice girl saying that he did not know any one there on my replying that a public dance hall was not the best place in which to look for a nice girl he said but i don't know any other place where there is a chance to meet any kind of a girl i'm awfully lonesome since i came to chicago and then he added rather defiantly some nice girls do come here it's one of the best halls in town he was voicing the bitter loneliness that many city men remember to have experienced during the first years after they had come up to town 
occasionally the right sort of man and girl meet each other in these dance halls and the romance with such a tawdry beginning ends happily and respectably but unfortunately mingled with the respectable young men seeking to form the acquaintance of young women through the only channel which is available to them are many young fellows of evil purpose and among the girls who have left their lonely boarding-houses or rigid homes for a little fling are likewise women who openly desire to make money from the young men whom they meet and back of it all is the desire to profit by the sale of intoxicating and doctored drinks perhaps never before have the pleasures of the young and mature become so definitely separated as in the modern city the public dance halls filled with frivolous and irresponsible young people in a feverish search for pleasure are but a sorry substitute for the old dances on the village green in which all of the older people of the village participated chaperonage was not then a social duty but natural and inevitable and the whole courtship period was guarded by the conventions and restraint which were taken as a matter of course and had developed through years of publicity and simple propriety the only marvel is that the stupid attempt to put the fine old wine of traditional country life into the new bottles of the modern town does not lead to disaster oftener than it does and that the wine so long remains pure and sparkling we cannot afford to be ungenerous to the city in which we live without suffering the penalty which lack of fair interpretation always entails let us know the modern city in its weakness and wickedness and then seek to rectify and purify it until it shall be free at least from the grosser temptations which now beset the young people who are living in its tenement houses and working in its factories the mass of these young people are possessed of good intentions and they are equipped with a certain understanding of city life this itself could be made a most valuable social instrument towards securing innocent recreation and better social organization. They are already serving the city in so far as it is honeycombed with mutual benefit societies, with pleasure clubs, with organizations connected with churches and factories which are filling a genuine social need. And yet the whole apparatus for supplying pleasure is wretchedly inadequate and full of danger to whomever may approach it. Who is responsible for its inadequacy and dangers? We certainly cannot expect the fathers and mothers who have come to the city from farms or who have emigrated from other lands to appreciate or rectify these dangers. We cannot expect the young people themselves to cling to conventions which are totally unsuited to modern city conditions, nor yet to be equal to the task of forming new conventions through which this more agglomerate social life may express itself. Above all, we cannot hope that they will understand the emotional force which seizes them, and which, when it does not find the traditional line of domesticity, serves as a cancer in the very tissues of society, and as a disruptor of the securest social bonds. No attempt is made to treat the manifestations of this fundamental instinct with dignity, or to give it possible social utility the spontaneous joy the clamor for pleasure the desire of the young people to appear finer and better and altogether more lovely than they really are the idealization not only of each other but of the whole earth which they regard but as a theatre for their noble exploits 
the unworldly ambitions, the romantic hopes, the make-believe world in which they live, if properly utilized, what might they not do to make our sordid cities more beautiful, more companionable? And yet at the present moment every city is full of young people who are utterly bewildered and uninstructed in regard to the basic experience which must inevitably come to them, and which has varied, remote, and indirect expressions. Even those who may not agree with the authorities, who claim that it is this fundamental sex susceptibility which suffuses the world with its deepest meaning and beauty, and furnishes the momentum towards all art, will perhaps permit me to quote the classical expression of this view as set forth in that ancient and wonderful conversation between Socrates and the wise woman Diotima. Socrates asks, what are they doing who show all this eagerness and heat which is called love and what is the object they have in view answer me diotima replies i will teach you the object which they have in view is birth in beauty whether of body or soul for love socrates is not as you imagine the love of the beauty only but the love of birth in beauty because to the mortal creature generation is a sort of eternity and immortality to emphasize the eternal aspects of love is not, of course, an easy undertaking, even if we follow the clue afforded by the heart of every generous lover. His experience, at least in certain moments, tends to pull him on and out from passion for one to an enthusiasm for that highest beauty and excellence of which the most perfect form is but an inadequate expression. Even the most loutish tenement-house youth vaguely feels this, and at least at rare intervals reveals it in his talk to his girl. His memory unexpectedly brings hidden treasures to the surface of consciousness, and he recalls the more delicate and tender experiences of his childhood and earlier youth. Quote, I remember the time when my little sister died, that I rode out of the cemetery feeling like everybody in Chicago had moved away from the town to make room for that kid's funeral. Everything was so darn lonesome, and yet it was kind of peaceful, too. Or, quote, I never had a chance to go into the country when I was a kid, but I remember one day when I had to deliver a package out on the west side that I saw a flock of sheep in Douglas Park. I had never thought that a sheep could be anywhere but in a picture, and when I saw those big white spots on the green grass beginning to move and to turn into sheep, I felt exactly as if St. Cecilia had come out of her frame over the organ and was walking in the park. Such moments come into the life of most prosaic youth living in the most crowded quarters of the cities. What do we do to encourage and to solidify these moments, to make them come true in our dingy towns, to give them expression in forms of art? We not only fail in this undertaking, but even debase existing forms of art. We are informed by high authority that there is nothing in the environment to which youth so keenly responds as to music, and yet the streets, the vaudeville shows, the five-cent theaters are full of the most blatant and vulgar songs. The trivial and obscene words, the meaningless and flippant airs, run through the heads of hundreds of young people for hours at a time, while they are engaged in monotonous factory work. We totally ignore that ancient connection between music and morals, which was so long insisted upon by philosophers as well as poets. 
the street music has quite broken away from all control both of the educator and the patriot and we have grown singularly careless in regard to its influence upon young people although we legislate against it in saloons because of its dangerous influence there we constantly permit music in the street to incite that which should be controlled to degrade that which should be exalted to make sensuous that which might be lifted into the realm of the higher imagination our attitude towards music is typical of our carelessness towards all those things which make for common joy and for the restraints of higher civilization on the streets it is as if our cities had not yet developed a sense of responsibility in regard to the life of the streets and continually forget that recreation is stronger than vice and that recreation alone can stifle the lust for vice perhaps we need to take a page from the philosophy of the greeks to whom the world of fact was also the world of the ideal and to whom the realization of what ought to be involved not the destruction of what was but merely its perfecting upon its own lines to the greeks virtue was not a hard conformity to a law felt as alien to the natural character but a free expression of the inner life to treat thus the fundamental susceptibility of sex which now so bewilders the street life and drives young people themselves into all sorts of difficulties would mean to loosen it from the things of sense and to link it to the affairs of the imagination it would mean to fit to this gross and heavy stuff the wings of the mind to scatter from it the clinging mud of banality and vulgarity and to speed it on through our city streets amid spontaneous laughter snatches of lyric song the recovered forms of old dances and the traditional rondelles of merry games it would thus bring charm and beauty to the prosaic city and connect it subtly with the arts of the past as well as with the vigor and renewed life of the future End of chapter 1